Welcome back to the first Guildhall School Events podcast of 2015. Today we have longtime collaborator and Guildhall professor Ian Burnside in the studio, along with Victoria Newlin, who's a movement and drama coach for the vocal and opera departments, as well as being a Guildhall acting alumna herself. We're talking about Shining Armour, Ian's new take on Brahms' masterpiece, Die Schöne Magalona. So the first, um, the first question I'm going to ask is, um, Mr. Ian, yep. and what inspired you to look at the story of Brahms and Clara Schumann? Um, is this essentially the story of a scandal, a 19th century soap opera? Um, did their friendship lead to Robert Schumann's breakdown? Uh, well, it's no to all those questions, basically. <laughs> uh, it's certainly not the story of a scandal at all. And their friendship, I think Robert Schumann, there were many reasons for Robert Schumann breaking down, and I'm not sure that their friendship was one of them. So let's just park all those to one side. <laughs> what inspired me to... Uh, well, I've looked at the story of Brahms and Clara Schumann from various angles, but what inspired this piece, really, was me doing this song cycle in one of the ways that it is now done, which is we have 15 big, wonderful songs which are connected by a very strange, clunky narrative about people that, at this point, we don't really care about because it's back in the days of chivalric love. And the big question is, why did this great composer take this silly story so seriously? And why why is this his greatest work in song? And by doing it in this clunky way with a connecting narrative, uh, it didn't really work. It, it didn't make for a good evening's entertainment. And I then thought, well, maybe there's another story running underneath. I'm not suggesting for a moment that it's the story of Brahms and Clara Schumann, but what I'm trying to do is show that there are resonances and there are echoes, and that it's more interesting to have someone telling the story who is connected in some way with it, in this case, Clara, than just having a dry narrator. And Victoria, you play Clara, don't you? I do. So you're, uh, and you're a movement coach. Um, is your role sung? Or just spoken? No, it's it's spoken, and I move around a bit, don't I? <laughs> yes, um, coached or uncoached, you do. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, so it's it's really lovely for me to do, I've done a couple of these kinds of programmes with Ian, where you sort of interface an actor with uh, with songs, with song repertoire. Um, and the sort of the mix of the, the sung word and the spoken word I think is quite exciting. Um, it kind of makes a different texture for a, an evening at a concert. Um, but this, this one's particularly interesting. Quite often in these kinds of programmes you might get sort of poetry and song mixed together. But to actually try to be... It's a version of Clara, isn't it? Yeah, We're not yeah. saying I... You no. know, it's, it's not a kind of uh, fully fleshed out, uh, you know, a method acting version of Clara's <laughs> human. It's a kind of what if Clara could talk about these songs, this story, this material that Brahms chose to put so much love and care and effort into. And if these, as Ian says, these kinds of possible parallels, resonances occur to her. And she has quite strong attitudes, doesn't she, in the she piece does. about... Uh, why Johannes writes uh, music for these pieces. And how, do, you said it's obviously not a method uh, role, mm. but how do you research, um, how do you get into the sort of the mind of somebody that, that lived 150 years ago? Well, I talk to Ian a lot, because he knows everything. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> <He's there. laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, it's an interesting thing, because we kind of present 
Clara as a kind of now version of Clara. Yeah, there's a bit of Doctor Who going on. Yeah, it's it's what if <laughs> she's still around now. So I guess that you know the photos that we know of her or the portraits we know of her, she's there in her full Victorian looking, you know, bombazine, bombazine, black <laughs> masses of you know black material and huge frock and all of that. Um, but actually, you know, she's a very you could say she's a very modern woman. She. Uh, provided for her family once her husband had died she was well, she says in our piece she was a you know a hugely um accomplished concert pianist believe well, she was sort of the greatest concert she, pianist yeah, of her day yeah. i mean she was a legend and worked tirelessly made of tough stuff you know so she supported her eight children um she was the breadwinner basically and those were the eight that survived i mean you yeah. know there aren't many great concert pianists today with eight children and you know she sort of invented the piano itself. I mean, there are there are many. She's a, she's an iconic figure actually. So um, yeah, it's nice to be playing mm. one of the it's, great it's, artists it's, of, it's, yeah. of your time. Yeah. Sadly, I only managed piano to grade seven, so uh, I can't exactly uh, <laughs> sit down and play that's quite like acting. Exactly. Good job you're only uh, doing the acting part. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Ian on on piano. Yeah. You do have Ian on piano. Uh, we also have Roderick Williams um, as your sort of uh, your. Partner in crime. Partner in crime. Indeed. Yeah. And how did how did um, Roddy get involved in in the project? I shamelessly roped him in. Um, <laughs> well, I, I've worked with Roddy for a long time. We've been doing concerts and recordings together for ages, and he sings these pieces absolutely beautifully. And I think it happened over a pint of beer after some other concert at some stage where I said, "Oh, by the way, I'm thinking of doing this crazy thing," and he said, "Oh yeah, I sing those Brahms songs." I said, "Well, would you like to?" Yeah, I'd like to. So I mean, I don't think it was any more complicated than that. And we're thrilled. We have done it. We've been rather promiscuous and slutty. We've done it with a couple of other singers yeah, too. Yeah. And yeah. Um, because Roddy's not always free, and we've done this program a few times, and that's lovely too. Um, but Roddy does sing them absolutely beautifully, and uh, and he knows them very well. And he's just recorded them with another pianist, actually, so they're fresh in his mind too. So um, it's also very nice, I have to say, for the singer singing them because it's a huge sing. If you sing these fifteen songs together, boom, 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 as a song cycle, it's a real marathon. It's very hard. Uh, they're very vocally demanding, very pianistically demanding. We know for an absolute fact, Brahms did not intend them to be done together. He wanted them to be done in little groups, and you, he put them out there, and you choose your favourites, and you make a nice group from them. He didn't intend it to be performed as a cycle. And so it's very nice for the singer to have little breaks between the songs where he can uh, just gather his strength and have a bit of a swallow and uh, <laughs> while Victoria is being Clara. So it's a win-win from that point of view. And obviously we um, we have another singer taking part, opera student Alison Rose. Yeah. So how do, how, do, um, how do Roddy and Alison work together? Well, there are two of the 15 songs are written for a woman's voice in terms of the story. Uh, there are two songs which girls sing because sometimes, usually the songs are sung by the main protagonist of the story, but sometimes it's a narrator. And on two occasions, there are female characters. Now, you can have the bloke sing it, that's not against any rules, and that's fine. And indeed, women sang the male songs back in the 19th century. There wasn't the same gender obsession that we now have. Uh, but we've we've done it both ways, but it's very nice to bring, we bring, we bring Alison on three quarters of the way through and there's a little bit of interaction. She'll interact with Victoria, which is lovely, and and she comes and she goes uh, in a rather mysterious way. And it's nice for the audience because it breaks the texture. Mm. It's nice for Roddy because he doesn't have to memorise two more songs. <laughs> and um, 
Yeah, and they're actually they're rather they're they're actually rather interesting songs. They're both songs that sort of do different things from anything else in the program. So, um, I mean, it's not meant to be a great kind of coup de théâtre. Oh my God, a woman's walked onto the stage. It's not that at all. Because one of the things we've intentionally done with this is it looks like a concert. There's no set. There's not really costumes. Victoria dresses with great care, as she always does. <laughs> but um, but you know, it's it's a concert in which things happen rather than a theatre piece. Okay. And it's designed to be performed in concert halls. So you won't be dressed in sort of, you know, 19th Bombazine. century... Oh, it'd be in Bombazine. No. <laughs> Damn, I keep hoping. Well, that, that sounds absolutely wonderful. Um, Ian, what's, what's next for you after this... After this one. Oh, well, I have my uh, kind of day job of playing concerts and things. That all carries on apace. But my next... Uh, and and actually, my next Guildhall thing is that I have a French song recital that I'm curating uh, with some undergraduate singers. And... Uh, then the next major event is um, we're reviving the play called Why Does the Queen Die about Franz Schubert that we did at the Oxford Leader Festival um, with uh, Victoria in strong collaborative role. <laughs> and um, we're doing that again in the first few days of May in the Studio Theatre in Milton Court. So I've been spending much of the Christmas holidays tweaking and inserting and cutting and pasting and generally messing around with it and making it better. And I'm going to uh, reveal that to the unsuspecting cast at some point soon and send them off to learn it. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. It'd be nice to see it having... It, you know, it's already been up at Oxford. Exactly. Bringing it back to the school and we can all yeah. go and have a yeah. look. Well, maybe we can talk about that again sometime. Absolutely, I think we will. Um, well, thank you so much for, for joining us today and thanks for giving us your time. And uh, We really look forward to seeing you on the 14th of January. Thanks thank so you. much, Chris. Shining Armour takes place on 14th of January in Milton Court Concert Hall. You can buy tickets from the Barbican box office in person, over the phone, or online at gsmd.ac.uk.